Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm here today with Crystal Holm. Crystal is a feng shui designer and clutter expert who teaches soul-driven leaders how to use feng shui the right way to create peace and prosperity in all areas of their lives. Using her proprietary framework, the Designed Life Method, mind, body, soul, home, she helps her clients design spaces and lives they love. Crystal shows women how to use their workspace as a 3D vision board to help them design who they are becoming and the life they want with it right into their space. Crystal serves up straight talk wrapped in love. After all, she understands entrepreneurs' challenges decluttering the limiting beliefs that hold us back from what is possible, shifting the energy in our environment to align with our soul-driven mission to create the life we are dreaming about with intention and purpose, and making a big impact creating the world we want to live in today. So Crystal, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. I'm happy to be here. Nice to have you. So this is like a lifetime of of organizing, of decluttering, and a lifetime of creating ways for both for yourself and for other people to think about how organizing space creates changes on a different level. And I want to start out, if you would, with your personal story about this, how you got started doing this. I know already the backstory, but our <laughs> listeners don't, about how you began in childhood. Um, well, space was always sort of my outlet. Decorating was always my outlet. You know, I, um, my, my Barbie dream house was sort of my favorite toy to play with. Um, and I, <laughs> I, um, I actually grew up in a, a pretty highly abusive home. And so this was my expression of, um, being able to decorate in my space. Um, I was introduced to energy work at a pretty young age as well, um, at around nine from my stepmom. And I sort of blended it all together there. <laughs> so, so yeah, so, okay. So you were a child, if I can just try, kind of try to interpret, it's like, you know, you're in an abusive environment and, and yet there's this place that is your own the place to escape to. 
and you mm -hmm. may not have control in that other world where this abuse takes place, but yet you do in this one little environment. Do I kind of have that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was sort of how it was for me when I was little. Mm -hmm. And then, so what happens at nine with your stepmom? Well, um, my parents divorced and they, they both remarried. Um, my mom married a really abusive pedophile and my dad married a, a witch. And I actually gave my mother an ultimatum <laughs> about, you know, the man she was dating. Um, and she chose him. And so I said it was, I started, I told her I would never be like her. Um, so I really started looking for a mentor out, outside of that to, to look to for how to, how to be a woman, how to be a mom, how to be all those things. And my stepmom luckily stepped into the picture. My dad married her and um, she taught me magic. She taught me energy and manifestation and what really came to, you know, the law of attraction as I got older and really understanding how, um, how you can manifest something different in your life just through getting into alignment with the energy of making that happen. Um, she taught me that when I was nine and, and at that age, I was, I was looking for a way to escape. I was looking for a way out that, that, that I could use and, and magic kind of seemed like the only, the only way. And so I really started, I really started studying it as a thing. Like, how do you manifest a different life? Um, and that kept through all the way into adulthood for me. So, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to just even wrap my, my brain around what it must be like to be a child in an abusive, even, even in an environment with a pedophile and how you as this little girl are able to deal with that and, and function. So before you even get this message of what's possible for manifestation, how do you even, how do you function? Hmm. <laughs> it was hard. Um, I really felt like there wasn't any other way to, you know what I mean? Like I was, it was, I was really shut down every time I tried to, um, tell people what was happening. Nobody was listening. You know, my, my mother actually told everyone that, that I was a liar and that the problem was that I was a, a liar. So they, you know, they like took me to a, a psychiatrist. They, 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 they had a lot of things there that really just shut down my voice. So there was no like making something different happen in the real world. It was really more like this if anything was ever going to change, it was going to have to be a miracle. It was going to have to be magic. It was going to have to be, or it was going to take forever for me to be an adult to, to be able to, you know, but a lot goes into the brain, you know, when you're, when you're in that situation, it's just a constant bombardment of how much, how worthless you are, how, how much of an obligation you are, how just, 
how less than you are um, and how little you mean to people or to the world. So this is, this is an unspeakable, unspeakably awful situation for this, this little girl, this little you to go through. And are you kind of shuttling back and forth between the home of your mom and your dad at this point? Um, it was more like I spent two months in the summer with my dad and the rest of the year with my mom. So. And then, uh, then you meet your stepmom and she mm-hmm. provides kind of a different opportunity for you. A different perspective, a different, a different yeah, a different opportunity for sure. A different way of approaching the world, mm-hmm. I guess, a different way of looking at things of even just believing that that I had any sort of power or that I had any sort of ability to overcome my circumstances. Yeah. There, she, she gave me quite a gift. Because I have to say that, you know, the concept of manifesting is a kind of a complex subject for a nine-year-old and something that we don't, you know, we don't usually think of that. We usually think of that as a, a very adult topic. And here you are at nine years old and, and it's an alternate vision of possibility. So mm-hmm. at what point do you kind of combine this, uh, this tendency that you had, this natural ability that you had in decorating and in understanding space? How, when and how do you combine that with this, this idea of manifestation? Um, that wasn't until way later. Um, decorating and design was sort of always my thing, right? That I was always the friend that everybody would call to come help them with it. And it was sort of a natural gift, but, um, it wasn't until I went to, to college, which I went later in a little later in life, I didn't go straight out of high school. And when I was in college, I was going to school to be an interior designer And it was actually during one of my jet ends, it was during my psychology class that the, that we were assigned to write a paper on something related to our field of study and psychology of it. And in that class, I actually chose feng shui as my topic. Um, It had only been, it had only been popular in the United States for about five years at that time. Um, I mean, it had been thousands of years in China, but it had only come to Western culture, you know, for a few years. So it was still relatively new. And I had, I knew a little bit about it, but not a lot. I knew it had to, I knew it related to, you know, moving furniture around your home and I knew it related to energy, but I didn't really know a lot about it. And so I wrote the paper (laughs) and, and quite honestly, at the end of that time, I was really almost more confused than at the beginning. But I started trying to kind of use it in my life. Like, okay, let me see if I can apply this and figure it out. Because everything I read, I mean, I took home a two foot tall stack of books, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was going to get an A on this paper. And so I read everything I could find, but I, I had more questions than answers at the end. So really it was, I was trying to like apply it to my own life to figure it out. Like, what is this? Why does, what is, what is the right way? This book says one thing, this book says something else. What is it really? And so um, I, 
I started playing with it in my personal life while I was still going to school and, and um, be, to become an interior designer. So then you, if I fast forward a couple of years and I'm done with school, I'm working in my career and I've actually moved out to Hawaii and I'm working in a very high-end residential design firm. And most of our clients there are entrepreneurs of, of big businesses, billion-dollar businesses that are household names to, to most of us. And, it, and, uh, <laughs> and so we had actually submitted a design to clients that we had in China. And they promptly sent the design back to my boss saying they couldn't accept it because the feng shui was all wrong. And so my boss is now in a panic, of course, because this is, this is a huge project. And, and so she comes to our whole design team and asks if any of us know anything about feng shui or can help with this in any way. And, and nobody stepped forward. Um, and I'd been applying it, you know, in my own life for a few years at this point, you know, and so I raised my hand, I, I put myself forward as you know, I will take this project on and, <laughs> and, and, and some serious imposter syndrome showed up. Let me tell you, Bob, because I was really like, at that point I was, I still wasn't sure. I still wasn't sure that I, I knew I was very unsure that the client might know more than me. Um, and, and, and so I, there was a lot of fear in there, but I, I did the project and, and, I, and that was where I really was like, okay, I love doing this. I love incorporating the feng shui with the design. Like I love blending it together in this sort of seamless way, which is how it's supposed to be, you know, but really incorporating the feng shui into the design work because it was so very, very important. Um, you know, getting to work with this client really brought it home for me how much it mattered, not just to them as a person, but to their business, to their whole life. Like it was a really big deal. And so it actually led me to go back to school. Um, I really started diving into all of the, the misinformation and why was there so much misinformation? And I found a school that taught traditional Chinese feng shui. And so I studied and, and went back to school to learn it. Um, so that then I could start taking on my own private clients um, for feng shui. And it kind of blossomed from there. So the, the question that, that kind of stays with me is the, the, the question of to what extent feng shui is a result of Chinese culture. I mean, it's, you know, in your story, we have this embeddedness of feng shui into this Chinese understanding. So, you know, the, the design goes back to the people in China. They have a background of understanding of feng shui. They look at the design and decide it's not up to snuff because it doesn't fit with their understanding. Then you go into feng shui to look at design plus feng shui in the way that the two work together and come together. So my question is, to what extent is feng shui a part of Chinese culture? And to what extent is it a universal set of principles that could be used by anybody at any time in any place? 
Um, well, it's it's a fairly big part of Chinese culture. Um, I, I haven't been to China personally, so um, I don't know how much of it is taught like in their school curriculum or not, but it's uh, across the board, every client that I have ever worked with um, ha from China had some knowledge of it more than the average American does, you know, like it's a very, it, for them, it's a part of it. Like it would, but whereas for Americans, we're less knowledgeable about that. Um, and so we don't necessarily know. Um, and then the second half of your question, remind me what that was. Yeah, sure. So, so what I'm asking you is to what extent is it culture specific? And to what it's extent not culture specific as far uh -huh. as being usable. Yeah, that's it's culture specific as far as where it was discovered mm -hmm. and who studied it. Right. It was studied exclusively there for thousands of years um, just because it was kept a secret within a very, very small group of people. The knowledge mm -hmm. um, it was really kept in the emperor's secret vault for centuries um, before it before uh, one of the feng shui masters actually escaped from it, it, it amounts to slavery really that what they were um, as far as being feng shui masters back then before they escaped and brought it out more into the world. And that's a whole long story over there as, as far as how and why that came about because of feng shui's purpose is really to put you into alignment with with your space, with the energy of your environment, right? Because we all live here, <laughs> like we all live somewhere, right? So we, and our, our environment has that impact because it's, we all have a, we all have an energetic frequency, right? That we vibrate to, but our space also has an energetic frequency that is unique to the space. And so it's sort of, there's a relationship there that, we will that will either be in alignment with one another or in a sort of conflict energetically between the two of them. And so that part of it is universal. Using feng shui and applying feng shui to your space is good for everybody because we all have it. It's just we didn't all know about it until, you know, it it actually escaped from the emperor's palace and became not I wouldn't say common knowledge, but it it, it spread throughout China a bit more. And then when it finally made its way to Western culture, um, now more and more people all over the world hear the word feng shui and they, they know a little bit about it. They might know, they might not know anything more than it's just related to how you place your furniture in your home, but everybody's at least heard of it to some small degree. So, because it's so, applicable. So you were, you were taught in school, what, western design concepts dictate and then you had this kind of very unique experience with feng shui and i'm i'm curious to know what's what is the difference between what in western higher education uh is taught as the elements of design versus what you learned in feng shui how are they similar how are they different well um I mean, the elements of design are to make your space beautiful and to really reflect 
who you are, right? That's that's what the purpose of 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 designing your space is, is to really reflect who you are, who you want the world to see. Um, and to have it sort of be a reflection of you, mm-hmm. which Feng Shui tells us it actually is, but on a whole deeper level, then interior design is very surface at it. Coming, the Feng Shui is the part that flows underneath it. The Feng Shui is the energy, meaning from a design standpoint, most of us design instinctively, you know, meaning we put things somewhere because it feels like the right place to put it. But often the reason it feels like the right place to put it is because it's in alignment with what's wrong internally for us. Right. We might, sure. We might have, say we're having a struggle with money, right? You know, we don't, we don't make enough money or, or we have a, we, d- we don't keep enough money. Like we maybe, maybe our struggle is just around money, right? Um, oh, I lost track of what I was going to say. So, so there's a relationship between what is lacking in me. So, so I instinctively create this design in my home and I have a, an issue with money that is somehow reflected in my design. Is that right? Yes, it will be. Because what you will do is you will put things in places that then stagnate the energy in that area of your life. Mm. Because there's energy, it doesn't, it, when the house is empty, it, it doesn't really flow because there's no, it's more like a, energy flows like water through your home, right? Like it's a river. It just happens to flow more in the air, which is the literal translation of feng shui it means wind water so it flows through like it's a river but we put things in our home which are like big rocks in our river right that make the energy flow in a different pattern and so sometimes we put things in there that then block the energy altogether so that it just stagnates in there and and it instead of instead of having our our home act as a as a battery, as like an amplifier for our own personal energy, it now drains our energy. It mm-hmm. stagnates it and it shows up in our our outside world, in our money, our relationships, our jobs, our creativity, in all of these different parts, because that those things are both reflected in our space. So the challenge <laughs> that that we have here in talking about this today, Crystal, is we're on a, a medium where we're speaking and you know it would be it would be great if we had photos or drawings to kind of support what you and i are discussing right now maybe you could take us through um an example of a client that you've worked with who went from one place to another in their personal energy and just give us a a a general idea of what what you did different with the objects in their home or business um a before and after so before and after yeah before and after and and you know using words to describe what the energy what the objects look like how it stagnated the energy and then how you changed it to change the energy in the space and then the energy in that person's life sure um i had a client that came to me who she wasn't she didn't have as many clients as she wanted. Um, She wasn't really 
she wasn't really making as much money as she wanted. Actually, she was struggling to even pay the rent on her office. And her office was full of a bunch of unwanted clutter, um, which she was pretty resentful about. And um, she had a lot of friction in several of her personal relationships as well. And so she came to me to feng shui her space um, and, and redesign to help empower her in her business and in her personal life. So I took her through my designed life method, mind, body, soul, home. And we went through all four of the, of the steps to, um, to create a space that really supported her in, in who she was becoming in her life as she was growing bigger in her entrepreneurial journey um, in, her, in her life. And so we, we decluttered all of her space we designed it with all of her feng shui in mind. And um, she, when she was finished, within the very, the very next month, the very next month, she tripled her income. The month after that, she, she maintained it. The third month, she felt confident enough that she was going to be able to continue that going forward, that she quit her part-time job so she could go full-time in her business because her business was taking off so much that then gave her more time to take on more clients and, and more money. Um, and three months after, so three months after we worked together, she quit her job and went full-time in her business. Another two months after that, her, her building manager came to her and said that <laughs> they needed her to move to a different office space because someone was gonna come in and rent the whole wing that she was in. And so they, and they wanted all of them to be together. So they were moving all the individual office renters into a whole nother wing and her office doubled in size, but she didn't have to pay any more money in rent. So it, she had some pretty big results actually as a result of, of really shifting the energy of her space into alignment with her big goal and her big vision, which is sort of what the purpose of feng shui is. I just prefer to design it right into the space, which is how it's supposed to be. So wonderful, Crystal. Um, can you give our listeners like maybe just one little idea to start with, to work Declutter. with? Declutter. Declutter, what does that mean? Um, Honestly, anything you don't need, use, or love is clutter. It, it might be scarcity clutter. It might be worthiness clutter. It might be obligation clutter. It could be any one of those things, but it's clutter. And clutter is what stagnates the energy of your space. And, and so when, Go ahead. Well, when we have all this clutter, that's what stops the flow from happening, not just in our space, but also in our lives. That's why we don't have the clients that we want or the income that we want or relationships that we want because we've got something stagnating, not just in our space, but it's a reflection of what's going on internally, a limiting belief or um, something that's, that's what clutter is a reflection of from a psychology standpoint, um, from an energy standpoint. So where do I start? 
start with decluttering. <laughs> I actually have a five-step method um, that will help walk you through the decluttering process mm -hmm. so that you can eliminate the clutter once and for all, not just repeating this. I have clutter. I decluttered. I have more clutter. I decluttered. We end up in this cycle of, because we never go through the actual process to, to release our clutter properly um, so that it doesn't back. And so I have a five-step process. Um, I call it declutter your mindsets. Um, and I, you actually have a free download that, that, that if you would like, I can share the website. It's declutteryourmindset.com. Um, it's available for all of your listeners as a free download that will walk them right through those five steps. Wonderful. So my, my, I guess my question is, so I, I'm going to download that. I'm going to get this process. What is the, what do you think is the best place? What I meant was the best place in the house to begin with. Um, it'll depend on each individual person and some a lot of times what happens is we just get so stuck. It's not necessarily the place to start. Sometimes it's easiest of the thing to start with. And mm -hmm. honestly, paper is probably one of the easiest things to start with. Um, that's usually where I recommend is just start with paper. Well, that's scary. I got a lot of paper. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because paper is is wood, right? But it's dead wood. So even though paper is super light, it carries the weight of, of wood. So it's a very, very heavy clutter. And so a very small amount of paper will be a heavy, heavy amount of stagnation of energy because of like the relationship with, like I say, with wood, it's like having a giant tree sitting right there in your space. Like it won't move, right? They don't budge. So um, it's a very deep, heavy energy um, for such a light item. <laughs> so I'll start with paper and I'll use your five-step process. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So as we, we come to a close, Crystal, I'm going to ask you again if you could repeat how our listeners can get that, that free information about your five-step process and find out more about how they might work with you and other things that you might be involved in. Sure. Um, you can download that five steps um, to declutter at declutteryourmindset.com. Perfect. Declutteryourmindset.com. And what about, yes. is that your website? And is that you like can find out, place? you can find out, you can, you know, connect with me on my website at just my name, crystalhome.com. And, um, and of course, that, Crystal? Um, my name is spelled with a K. It's K-R-Y-S-T-A-L-H-O-L-M.com. Um, and on all the social media, I'm on Facebook at Feng Shui Crystal. I'm on Instagram at crystal.home. And I'm on YouTube at a whole long collection of numbers and letters. <laughs> Wonderful. That's some great information that you shared with us today. So Crystal Home, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks so much for having me, Bob. This has been fun. And thank you everyone for listening. 
I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.